Alright guys, so it's here, the last ride, chapter 5, and it really, it really appears to be the Undertaker's last ride, honestly. I mean, <clears throat> he said, he said at the end that he has no desire to get back, to get back in the ring at all, so that's, that's just crazy to me, honestly, like... I knew it had been needing to happen for a long time, but it's just like at the same time it's like good lord like is is it fi- is he finally like actually done because we've seen this theme throughout the series where he's like oh I'm I feel like I'm done my body can't handle it anymore I need to you know spend time with more time with my family and be at home and whatever but then he ends up coming back for another match, which, I mean, justifiably, he should be spending time at home with his family and doing other things and uh, being an asset, as he said, outside, out more so outside of the ring than as an in-ring performer. So we started off and with uh, where we left off last episode, which was the Extreme Rules tag match, the Graveyard Dogs against uh was it Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre so I mean he says talks about how he felt great in that match and maybe he's got a couple more in him and it went maybe it went too good and we we cut to Shane McMahon and Shane says you know the kid in him the fan in him wants to see Undertaker keep going but I mean the as being the undertaker's friend he doesn't he wants to see him uh, take a different path you know hang it up and ride off into the sunset as he said at the end of the documentary undertaker did but he got to pick a different path as shane mcmahon said and he got kind of choked up when he said that because i mean i you know they're friends they've known each other for ever and ever like it's been a long time that Shane and uh, Taker have known each other. So Taker tell tells us, you know, he felt good in the Extreme Rules match, and he should because it was the best he's looked in a long time. But it, Michelle said, oh, I'm not counting him out yet, though. You know, he always wants to come back. He always... I expect him to come back. He's always gets that gets that itch and wants to get back in the ring so he already had that's been his identity for the last 30 years he said and he don't he doesn't know like what do I do as just Mark Calloway you know what what am I what am I supposed to do I've always been the undertaker like that's he lived the gimmick he was the last little shred of kayfabe that was left as they say and he was the last one that really protected his character. And in this new age, he didn't uh, frequent social media and do post pictures and videos and all that and kind of let you into his life. You know, he was the undertaker. You had to kind of wonder, like, hmm, is he really like that in real life? Like, is that really who he is? So Triple H ends up saying that... uh after t- after Taker said he was done after the uh, 
the match at Extreme Rules, he said, well, I never got the feeling in talking to him that he was done, that he was really done. He said he was done, but I didn't feel like he was done. So we fast forward to two months later, and he is asked to make an appearance at SmackDown in Madison Square Garden, and he talks about all his reminisces about all his history in the building and all the cool pictures in the hallways and the first time he came out at Madison Square Garden there was a picture of uh Elvis and uh Muhammad Ali and he takes a picture of uh there's in the hallway there's a picture of Elvis and uh right below it there's a picture of Undertaker doing a leg drop in the in the building on the apron and he takes a picture of that cuz he's like wow I'm in the same you know, the same spot as Elvis, whereas when he first walked, the first appearance or match he had there, he walked out and he was like, whoa, these guys performed in here, you know, I'm in the presence of greatness, basically. So, he starts getting ready in the back and he talks about, you know, how long and how much of a process it is for him to get back in the ring now each time that he has a match or gets back in the ring but it takes him longer he said to leave the ring because he doesn't know like will this be the last time and I'm gonna be in this ring you know am I is this my farewell basically so he he ends up thanking the fans for all they do and the fans he said is what's kept him going through like nights when he was sick or hurt or whatever it's the it's the roar of the the pop from the crowd and the chants and everything that's what got him through a lot of nights when he wasn't doing so well and didn't really want to get out get out there as much but he cuts his promo and uh talks about how he considers uh msg his home and he wants no matter what, he wants everyone to remember the legends and the heroes that were made in in that building over the years. So, so he calls the moments. He he says the moments very special, and uh, he says after thirty years, it's great that they still give me this. The fans still give me this great reception, and he says. Now he's at a spot where he's in the ring to... Uh, he's okay with not getting in the ring. And it's taken him a long time to get to that point. But he feels he's at a point where if he doesn't wrestle again, he's he's good. You know, it's it's fine. So, uh, so we see Stone Cold Steve Austin again. And he talks about how, you know, in the wrestling business, you live for the crowd. And you live for the pop from the crowd. And it's hard for people to step away because you have to find something else to fill that void to take the place and it can take a while to to find something that you can uh, substitute for that so triple h uh he talks about how hard the business gets when you have to spend time thinking about you know what am i going to do next so he take it goes back to Taker and he talks about you know he was young and in, invincible like we all have thought at some point in our lives you know 
we're young, we're young and we can do anything and it'll be fine. But he says he didn't worry about getting hurt when he was younger, but he's, those days are gone now, you know, cause he's got a family at home and he, he talks about how he doesn't have the reflexes he once did. And the, the Goldberg match, he almost broke his neck and all that kind of stuff. And he's remin- he thinks about it and he's like, man, I would have left my, made my wife a widow and my kids wouldn't have a dad if I had snapped my neck in that match possibly so he says I mean damn I mean where am I gonna go uh where am I gonna be in 10 years if uh if I keep going as an in-ring performer like what's gonna happen and you know he says what's important that is that he captured this these last few years of his career and being okay with walking away and he didn't um that he wasn't okay with it at the, when they started filming but now he is and he says it's fine and he he talks about putting putting the eye makeup on like he's always done and he talked about his dad coming to a, one of the matches and his dad he got all his gear on and he his dad's asking him questions about his gear and he puts the eye makeup on and he just goes and he his dad just shakes his head basically like uh no man like what are you doing but he said his dad was always like he wasn't supportive of him getting into it at first but like after that he he supported him uh in his career so then we had the uh, Broken Skull Sessions, kind of a recap of that, because that was, like, the first really mainstream, like, interview that he did as Mark Calloway, and he acknowledges that, and he says, you know, that's the first time I've been out of character, I've just been, I was just sitting there talking as Mark and not as The Undertaker, you know, so... We all know how the that Broken Skull Sessions went. and So that ended up leading to AJ Styles, that is. He saw it and he heard Undertaker say, you know, that that was... That he thought he might have one or two matches left and AJ gets to thinking. He's like, well, you know, if you're going to have one or two more matches, then maybe I can be one of those matches. Maybe I can figure out a way get to get into uh the match and get a match with the undertaker so aj said he ended up calling undertaker and uh asking undertaker instead of calling vince because he said in his words he said if undertaker's not okay with it if undertaker doesn't want to do it then it's not going to work it's not going to happen because like why even talk to Vince, basically, if Undertaker doesn't want to do it. So he calls Undertaker and asks him, and Undertaker's basically like, you know, I don't know, I'm maybe, I'm not sure, I might be done type of deal, and AJ's like, well, okay, just think about it, just think about it. So Edge says that uh, AJ's like the perfect guy for him to work with because... 
he's so good in the ring and so talented and he'll take care of him and bump around for him and all that kind of stuff and they talk about how they talk about how a lot of undertaker's best matches were with guy smaller guys guys smaller than him I should say and he just he he agrees and he says you know that that dynamic he always worked and understood that dynamic really well of the big guy against the smaller guy so they talk about that and you know they don't have uh and he talks about how there's no they talk well not undertaker my bad it's uh Michelle McCool, she talks about how uh, she told Undertaker, you know, if you want to do another match, there's nobody better than AJ Styles. There's nobody, like, better for you to get in the ring with at this point in your career. And so he ends up going to the Performance Center to talk about... uh, to to do a favor for Matt Bloom, and he he came in to... uh, give some advice and coaching to the bit uh, the big guys down in NXT and you know how to work with the with uh as a big guy in the business and stuff you know that he's learned over his 30 year career so Michelle talks about how how Taker he always wants to give back and he always wants to pass on his knowledge to anybody that'll listen anybody that wants to learn he'll he'll pass it on to them so they go back to uh Triple H and he talks about you know the tradition is you know what you've learned over the years you pass down to the next generation so it's like the older guys you know help out the younger guys that's the tradition of professional wrestling in general is you know you help out the younger guys you teach them you show them the right way and that's how the business evolves and continues so Orton comes up at this point and he says he got to know take Undertaker on tours in Europe you know they'd have some beers together and they'd talk and stuff and they showed the first uh, Orton-Taker match from Randy's rookie year. And, I mean, Taker gave him a lot in that match. Offense, he bumped a lot for him. And he said they got back to Gorilla, and Vince was like, hey, what are you doing to Undertaker? Like, you know, like, you're the big star. What are you doing bumping around and giving this guy all this offense? But Taker saw something in him, and so he wanted to elevate him he wants to pave the way for the future of the business so then we cut to the awesome ladder match on raw from jeff hardy uh where jeff hardy faced undertaker and i mean he lost but like he went over but he he got over but he didn't win the match but he still got over like because of the the heart and the fight he showed you know and undertaker picked him up and like raised his hand i think at the end and so that was that was great stuff i remember that match from back in the day i remember watching that match and just loving that match and that really started jeff's push and gave him some credibility as a singles 
competitor because he hadn't had that up until this up until that point he was a tag team guy but that really made you see Jeff as a singles guy so the next day Taker he gets in the ring for the first time and he wants to work with some of the developmental guys and then work by himself you know and work out work off some of his ring rust and so he can be the best he can be for for AJ Styles because he says when you're getting in in there with AJ somebody the caliber of AJ you can't be slow you can't be out of position you got to keep up so he's training real hard like like normal to make sure he's as ready as he can be to get in the ring uh, and do this match so he goes back to Wrestlemania 18 and uh his match with Ric Flair and Ric Flair saying you know that he had after WCW he had had a lot of self-doubt and Undertaker was like what you you're doubting yourself you know you're the nature boy you're Ric Flair like you're one arguably the greatest of all time like why are you doubting yourself but he said now at the point he's at now at the age he's at now he understands why he would have that uh why he would have that self-doubt because Undertaker he's having it too about you know can he do this anymore can he can he hang can he keep up and so he talks about you know I don't want to be the Undertaker walking to the ring at uh 80 years old with here comes Undertaker he says with the walker and so he started studying AJ stuff and they finally decided to work together and he called Vince and said, you know, all right, let's do it. And so they did the whole thing at super showdown where he, uh, where he came out and choke slammed AJ and didn't even lose his hat and pinned him and won that trophy that I can't remember what it was called that they had the tournament for that big freaking trophy. So that was the start of their that was the start of their feud and he goes back to training and uh with Harry at the CrossFit place and they're talking about uh AJ's with the good brothers and they talk about the promo he cut and how he went really personal with it and he talked about his undertaker's wife and he like lines that normally Undertaker wouldn't allow anybody to cross and he called him Mark and he called him what he called broken down old man is how he ended that promo and how I'm gonna put the nail personally the final nail in your coffin so Michelle laughed and she said he was doing a real he did a real good promo because she hated him a little bit after after the promo and she called she texted his wife and said you know i know he's doing his job and he's doing a good job cuz i even hate him a little bit after that after that promo so so taker watches it and he says you know i can't um the fans aren't going to be satisfied unless i like cave his face in now because of all that stuff he said so he talks about changing to the biker gimmick and how he's 
kind of handcuffed, he was feeling kind of handcuffed by the Undertaker gimmick, and the character needed to change and and evolve, and it was still the Undertaker, but it was a different Undertaker, and it made it kind of fresh, and I think personally it was more kind of Mark than Undertaker, a little bit, it was definitely more of who he really is injected into the character for sure. And back to the mania build, he starts, he calls him Alan Jones, AJ, and he cuts the promo basically saying that uh, he's going to beat his ass, basically is what he's saying. So, you know, his he says his plan was to combine, like, The Undertaker, The American Badass, and Mark Calloway in the, in the build as far as his character was concerned and in the match because... You know, the guy called out his wife, so he he says, you know, I have to be Mark, I have to be at least Mark a little bit because you're calling out my real life wife, so the match was gonna be an actual match, as we all know, and then the world went to shit, and it was bizarre, Taker says, and they Triple H says, you know, they were just flying by the seat of their pants, basically just making it up as they go along because they don't know, like, what to do. This has never happened before. Nobody knew what to do. And so then Triple H gets on to about... Uh, there's one remark he made in the documentary where he talks about... Uh, He talks about uh, how they how they said he asked him AJ and Undertaker what's a, what's a boneyard match and they're like I don't know you figure it out so him and Michael Hayes found the site where they ended up uh, filming the boneyard match and he was on the way Taker was to see the site and kind of think of some ideas plan some stuff out and he got a call from his niece that his brother had passed and he had so he had to deal with all the all the mania stuff and call like his brothers and uh his mom to tell him that you know his his brother had passed away and he just had to remind himself uh he had to it kind of reminded him of what's important that family is the important thing and that kind of stuff and so he ends up getting the uh getting the match together even though even in the tough circumstances he performs in the match and one thing i thought was interesting was that he actually did cut his arm when he punched that window out that was like a legitimate cut that wasn't like effects or doctored or anything so after the match you know he talks about how it was perfect to ride off into the sunset with on his motorcycle put his fist in the air and ride off down the road and that was he thought that could be like the perfect ending to uh to the undertaker's career and he he also said that like him and michelle were out fishing and he said that uh Kobe Bryant's death also kind of hit home with him that, you know, hey, I never know when my, you're, you never know when your number's going to be called. You, 
in life and you never know when it's going to be time for you to go. So he's like, man, you know, hey, maybe I need to spend more time at home, spend more time with my family, that kind of stuff. So this leads into him talking about, you know, him having another life with having children and having a wife and all that kind of stuff and having responsibilities at home, being a husband, being a father. So, like I said, he felt like the riding off into the sunset on his motorcycle, well, well, I mean, it was nighttime, but still, you get the point. And he blew the place up, like, boom. Like, that match was phenomenal. And then they had the big Undertaker symbol, and he rode off on his bike. I mean, that was perfect. Besides having fans in attendance, that was perfect. And I think that it was better. They they really benefited from being able to do the cinematic match instead of the actual match because you could kind of hide Taker's weaknesses and in his age and stuff and just make him look like a badass because it was just a fight scene instead of like, okay, this is a wrestling match, you know, so... He said it's been rewarding for people to accept him as Mark Calloway and to see him as himself. And he gets kind of emotional and he says that this was the, uh, this might be the time he said that the cowboy really rides away. And he says, you know, maybe if Vince needs me, like in case of emergency, break glass type of deal. I might come back for something like that, but he said, otherwise, I don't see myself stepping into a ring anymore ever again. So he credits the documentary for helping him and knows that, like, all his peers and his friends want what's best for him and they just want him to have a good quality life and for the rest of the life that he has left. And he says he knows he can do more good outside of the ring versus inside it at this point because he's that's just how it is and it's true so we get the George Strait song Troubadour and I'm like oh no here we go and we have the montage of pictures and stuff from throughout his career and different people talking and saying talking about Undertaker and what they, uh, some memories of, they have of The Undertaker, and that he was the best character, and the great guy, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so he thanks, he thanks all of them, and Vince McMahon, and that, that hit me in the feels, it really did, I mean, if you didn't, if you were a fan of Undertaker in his prime, and you didn't get at least a little choked up watching this little, the last few minutes of this, it was, you're dead inside or something. I don't know. But he says, Taker says he considers himself being, being blessed with being able to do what, what he loves for as long as he's been able to do it and everything he's been able to do and everybody comes up and talks about, you know, what he meant to the business and what he meant to them personally. And he says he wouldn't have changed anything about it. And uh, 
he wouldn't change anything about what he did in his career, how his career went and the mistakes he's made. And because it's all part of the story of the undertaker and it made him who he is today. So he said, he's still going to be around, but he's going to miss the guys. And some of them, he misses them already just since WrestleMania. But he, he has a lot of friends in that company and Godfather says, you know, he's like my brother and, Foley says, you know, I didn't have, I would have had a completely different life if Undertaker didn't feud with me and come into my life and throw him off Hell in a Cell trying to kill him. So, Batista loves him and Cena calls him the bar for respect and everyone else is way down below him as far as respect goes. So, Taker says he always went went out, did the best he could and he thanks the fans for always supporting him and there'll never there'll never be an undertaker and another undertaker and Vince says that you know Mark he made the best of every opportunity he was given and he knows Mark can look in the mirror now and say I did good you know I I did everything I could I did a good job and Taker says it'll be the business will be a part of him until uh, until his di- until his dying day, and he's gonna leave his way, and he's gonna do everything the way he wants to do it. And then we kick in with the George Strait song again, and it fades to black. And this is easily the best, in my opinion, documentary they've done as far as these WWE Network documentaries and. They always do a good job with them, but I mean, the bar's set even higher with this five-part series, and I'm a huge Undertaker mark, I'll just say that out front, I have a, a tattoo of his symbol on my left arm, so I mean, I'm a big fan, and I just want to say thank you, Taker, for everything, for all the memories, for everything You've given us all the matches, all the storylines, and you enjoy that retirement, buddy. You ride off into the sunset and enjoy your family. You got nothing left to prove. And that is your episode for today, and I will see you guys next time. Have a good one, guys. Bye.